1: I worked at uh, like Wagamama, the restaurant chain, you know, I was like 17, 18, and I remember one time I went into work and I was like violently hungover and I yeah, was like, had this like giant knife in my hand, like cutting a piece of chicken, and I was like looking down at the chicken and I was like, I'm still drunk.
0: Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain this podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Today, we're joined by the new Netflix star on the block, Ruby Stokes from Lockwood & Co., the supernatural drama you have to watch. You might also recognize Ruby from playing Francesca in Bridgerton, but she took a leap of faith to leave the Tom behind to join Lockwood & Co. In this episode, Ruby tells me about that decision, the onset mishaps in the show, her hungover past working in Wagamama, and that pesky thing we all have to deal with every day, adulting. That's right, we even cover paying bills. (laughs) I love what Ruby has to say about making friends as an adult, so if you haven't found your people yet, I hope this makes you feel a little less alone. Babe, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm good. I mean, I've had a couple of trials and tribulations today, but we are here, we're thriving, we're raring to go. Where in the world are you right now? Paint me the picture.
1: I am in London um, where I live, but I've just moved. So I'm like, I'm staring at a load of boxes, but you're seeing this (laughs) lovely blue wall.
0: (laughs) I love that. Well, if you also, you can see what's going on here. I've literally got like the weeks washing here. This is like the dumping ground. I feel that. We've all got one. Well, babe, Lockwood and Co. I am so high key obsessed with the show. And for those who are listening right now, haven't watched it yet, it's based on alternative reality, isn't it? Where the British public is plagued by sinister spirits and demons. And there was just me thinking that dealing Mm -hmm. with my everyday demons was bad enough. and then I watched this I was like oh my god this is an intense world to live in and I'm not gonna lie it's also slightly made me (laughs) quite like it's really played me with a little bit of nightmares actually it's actually very scary do you actually believe in ghosts
1: I definitely believe there's like an energy like a sort of there are different spirits different energies out there yeah I'm not good with the dark so like I'm scared of scary noises like noises in general just like spook me out um But when we were filming, we actually filmed in, like, lots of big abandoned, like, mansions and houses. Mm. So you end up convincing yourself that, oh, my God, like, something's around the corner. But I can't say I've had an encounter just yet.
0: No. But when you were dealing with those CGI ghosts, which are very petrifying, like, let's not beat around the bush here. What were you actually (laughs) staring at and envisaging at that point?
1: God, yeah, it, it really varied, Josh. Like sometimes it was a, a crane with like like a camera crane with red lights on it. Sometimes it was a tennis ball. Sometimes <laughs> it was like this um uh, big orb that had. I think it was for the S effect, like the the special effects. It had like it was a mirrored ball, and then most of the time it was this really lovely guy called Mikey, who was kind of he's a puppeteer and like he'd wear a green suit and have this sort of ghost figurine on like a stick that lit up and he'd be like dashing around the room in a green suit so mostly it was that
0: (laughs) stunning I would love to know what he said when he went home from work every day (laughs) so today I've been wearing a green suit (laughs) running around freaking people out
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean there are many great like screen grabs from from those times when Mikey's like standing with a with this ghost attached this like light attached to a pole and he's just in this green suit. I did sometimes have to stop myself but um from like having a little giggle, but it always he's such a positive like energy to be around and he always was up for the laugh
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, Lucy is such an epic character. I loved her, she's everything I love about an on screen hero. She's got not only has she got incredible powers, but she is very layered to say the least. And it's a very like heartbreaking story at the beginning where, you know, she's running away from home. She's um, been in a home of domestic violence. And then she joins this, what you might call a startup company (laughs) in Lockwood and Go and starts to find herself. And then they're uncovering this dark conspiracy dun dun dun. What did you learn about yourself through playing her?
1: I think it was really interesting and exciting to explore the physical language of the show. Um, Mm. And, you know, also Lucy, what I love about her is that she's, yes, she's like this young woman at the helm of kind of, you know, I loved when I read the books, it's from her perspective, but also she's, you know, so fleshed out and well rounded. Jonathan Stroud, the author, makes her so real and four-dimensional and so do all the writers on the show. She's just a, a young woman going through the experience of like the universal experience of being a teenager, mm. you know, and I, I love that about her and I think I learned, you know, a lot a lot about myself kind of. Y- y- what I loved as well is the, the, the aspect of being really strong. Um, Lucy's mm. really strong and I think I learned to kind of, I, I don't know, like I, I've always loved being strong when I was younger as well. Like someone who stood out to me was you, Kat, Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games. I loved her Obsessed. when I was sort of around, yeah, do you know what I mean? I When when I was that age and because all she cared about was being strong. And at that time, mm. you know, I hadn't been like kind of plagued, I guess is the word, by kind of conventional pressures of society and beauty standards and the way that we want to look and all I cared about was being strong and I love that that's all she cared about too. So I, yeah, I learned that about myself and I don't, yeah, just being strong. I don't know, I keep talking about that word.
0: Has it given you like a newfound love and respect for your body and your body image in a way, in that sense?
1: Yes, um, because I think... You know, once you do end up being plagued by whatever, you know, the way that you want to look or you feel you should look, you, I guess, only end up getting more comfortable in yourself physically and mentally. Um, And with this role, all I cared about, I didn't care about sort of the way I looked, I cared about being able to do it justice in -hmm. terms of getting really strong and the stamina and the fitness that it needed in order to bring these characters, bring this character to life, um, you know, in turn, you know, because I wasn't focusing on, oh, I need to look a certain way, I just mm. need to be fit. I got really lean because I was trying to get, you know, really strong for the role. Um, and it, it definitely made me think of my body in a different way. And that actually, it's, I think it, it's just uh, It's just a vessel for keeping you happy and healthy.
0: Mm, That's such a positive place to come to because you were saying how physical the show was and it is a very physical role. I mean, you're running around, you're like dodging ghosts left, right and centre. You're then flipping a sword around, you're dangling off a picture down some steps. Honestly, I was like, whoa, this is intense. Did you have any mishaps? I imagine there must've been a couple of mishaps of that sword along the way.
1: (laughs) There was one moment it's like at the end of one of these apps, I was stood in the cemetery and like Lucy lobs this sword and she throws it up at this, just up and she goes on like this long trajectory. And it's meant to be this really powerful move. And I was like, OK, cool. I was a little bit nervous, but I, I had it in hand. Um, <laughs> and I've got
0: this. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Like I was like, OK, cool. Like, you know, pat myself on the back. I've got this. And it was a, like this really big camera move with this like big camera crane and the two grips Johnny and Neil stood on either side of it you know to keep it steady and the first AD on on this block uh, Richard Graysmark was kind of like stood next to the camera as well because he was going like and throw and, and so I like the first time I did it I threw it and it just it didn't really go up it just kind of nose dived and it went straight past like j- like one of the grips faces and it just it hit the first AD um <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, <laughs> like, ended up, like, lobbing this plastic sword at, at someone. Um, so I had I had a couple, but other than that, you yeah, know, all good.
0: Other than that, you had it in hand. I honestly was convinced you were Northern after watching this. That Northern accent you perfected is stunning. It's oh. so good. How did you come about perfecting that? Walk me through. Um.
1: Well, actually, when I went in to the audit like when i did myself tape and did the audition i went in like proper like yorkshire like northern god I'm, people are gonna be like you're butchering this what are you doing <laughs> um, but I, went in, I went in like proper like wow well, let's go to pub and i don't know like let's do anything like that and then um i think it was like the first time i met joe and the like naira and carmel um properly or maybe the second time that Joe was like no nah, we let's just let's just <laughs> pair that back, a bit and pair it back and so I did like a session on zoom with Jill McCulloch the dialect coach and we just ended up sort of clipping the vowels in order to like instead of elongating the vowels we clipped them so I guess the accent is more regional like you can place it sort of maybe in more places in the north. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed doing that accent.
0: What's your favourite bit of northern lingo that you picked up?
1: There's not a whole heap of northern lingo in the show. There was. There's a moment where, like, she goes... Um, up, she's eating a canapé or something, and she's like, she spits it out, and she's like, that's disgusting. And Lockwood's like, oh, why? She's like, because it's got, like, Worcestershire sauce on. And he goes like would you prefer it with gravy or something? And Or she's like, why can't they just do it with gravy? Like what, why's it gotta be like this? <laughs> like, I was like, I, th- I can't remember if, yeah. But I remember like, I remember we all ended up kind of like drinking gravy to like keep us warm as well on night shoots. God, now I'm really stereotyping, like gravy's not a holy northern thing, I don't <laughs> know, like <laughs> we didn't do a whole heap of northern things, show. So. <laughs>
0: I love how you are drinking gravy to keep warm. That is a that is the last thing I would ever think of doing.
1: I don't know, like I don't. Re- yeah, just occasionally. Like I remember Cameron would request, and like we would request some gravy because it was like, like Baltic outside. I'd be like what's the thing that's gonna keep us warm?
0: I know gravy.
1: <laughs> yeah, give me some though, you know.
0: The nichest diva demand I've ever heard is, can I get some Bisto gravy to drink? (laughs) Lucy does present herself and also feels like a bit of an outsider. Have you ever felt like an outsider?
1: Yeah, definitely. I felt a bit like an outsider, a bit of an outcast. I think maybe everybody does at some points, especially, you know, going through school and going through secondary Mm. school. Um, Kids can be mean, man, like kids can be not very nice um but I was always one of those people I think I like managed to you know I was never a leader but I was never like super on the outside I was always just managed to like go under the radar Mm. and like just fit in um in in social circles I think that's always how I kind of
0: worked Mm. I totally resonate with that. I was always, like, trying to find my little way in, my little, my little box It was like, I feel like I'm an outsider. But then you literally fake yeah, it you yeah. make it, right? Like that's And that's what she does because she then ends up finding her people in Anthony and George. When do you feel like you found your people?
1: God, I think you're always searching for your people, aren't you? You're always, you're always looking for your people. But definitely when I went to college... Um, Yeah, I was really fortunate that I did find lots of friends that I love and really care for there and have stayed really good friends with them all. Um, I think when you find like-minded people and people Mm. who are willing to support you and encourage you and uplift you, those those people are your tribe and who you find a connection with. But, and God, it sounds so bloody cringe, but like even, you know, at work, I think getting, you know so fortunate that i get to do what i love and when i'm at work i feel like i'm with you know people that you know i love and on lockwood as well it's such a a great fortune that you get i got to work opposite people and work with people that i ended up becoming really good friends with and that always makes you know work really fun um but I think, I think as an adult, like you're not, you have to go searching for situations where you find friends. Cause you know, when you're younger, you go through school and you're placed into school. And so you naturally are in an environment with 30 other kids and you, you connect with people much easier. Whereas as an adult, you spend more time on your own. And I didn't end up kind of going to uni. So I didn't end up finding my, like a crowd of people that way. And I remember thinking, oh, oh my God, how do do you make friends as an adult?
0: (laughs) Oh my God, making friends as an adult is actually so hard. And there's no like rule book or manual for how to do it. And you're just like, right. Okay, so I'm going to muddle through. And also, it's also, I also think making friends as an adult is easier in some ways because you know yourself more, so you'll know what you're willing yeah. to like, what you're, you know a little bit more about your boundaries, what you're willing to set, what you're not willing to set. But then equally, that can also make it quite difficult too. It's a roller coaster. Friendships as an adult. It
1: is. It definitely is. We took it all. We brought them
0: to our land. An endless night. One of the things that I also love about Lucy, I mean, there's like a million things, but she's very open in the show about her mental health. And that kind of visibility on screen is so important, especially in a show like Lockwood & Co where the audience might skew slightly younger and to see that on screen is so important. If you could give any advice to your younger self about mental health, what would it be?
1: Maybe just believe in you're like just believe in yourself and just be yourself um sometimes you can develop like an inner voice that's just can actually be pretty strong and hard to tell to like shut up um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think just you be yourself um and also i I was really i'm really lucky that you know my my parents and my family are super encouraging and they, they always kind of there to be a shoulder to lean on or or listen to me and vice versa as well and same with my friends um i think you know what we said about finding your tribe i think finding a good group of people that you trust um is super important who you feel that you can speak to
0: how's your relationship with that inner voice now and how have you managed to quiet it at points
1: i think just believing in like like you said fake it till you make it right believing in yourself trying even if you don't have that confidence trying to trying to squash it um is always you know like well it's easier said than done isn't it but again it's just I'm really you know not everybody has it and I'm really fortunate to have a really incredible support network that when I'm being like maybe a bit you know hard on myself or whatever it's even hard to admit that you're being hard mm. on yourself um i've got you know, really lucky to have those people around me that will say oh come on like or let's have a chat or whatever mm.
0: one of the interesting things about her as well is that her superpower is listening i mean obviously she's listening to <laughs> spirits on the other side which is a little bit different to listening in the real world but i think it's interesting that it is such a heightened state of listening because I think we as a society are so used to talking, we're not necessarily used to listening. Um, And I think our conversations, especially around mental health focus on talking, but not necessarily listening to others and listening to other people's points of view as well. When do you feel like you've been or felt the most listened to or heard?
1: Well, when I'm talking to, you know, my mum and my parents, like my mum and dad, um, they really listen to me and are incredibly supportive um you know even if i just want to like not even talk about my mental health like just ramble or like talk about something i saw today or oh my god a book i read uh, or a book i read or a movie i saw my parents are like maybe even at their detriment because they maybe don't even want to listen to me but <laughs> they always will um, <laughs> or I'll, I'll call my mum up and be telling her about something and you know before i know it has been like 40 minutes um it, there, yeah, I'm just very lucky to be very supported uh, in that way.
0: I love that. 40 minutes in and she's probably like, babes, I've got stuff to do. Mm.
1: <laughs> or she's just got like got me on speaker and she's cooking dinner like a podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're a walking, talking podcast <laughs> for your mum. Yeah, mom. well. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the interesting things about Lockwood & Co is also all about the power of the underdog which is a concept which I love. We all love an underdog. Have you ever felt like an underdog? And when do you feel like you've dug the deepest to prove people or even yourself wrong?
1: I think going back to that inner voice is like, I feel like I've dug the deepest to tell that, to like, shut up, get in your box, get in your place. Um, That's when I've dug the deepest, but trying to like prove, if somebody doubts me, Um, maybe I can be (laughs) sometimes, not all the time, but maybe I can be a little bit stubborn and being like, right I've got to, you know, not necessarily prove you wrong, but prove myself right Mm
0: -hmm. that you were
1: wrong to doubt me you know
0: Yeah, that's can be a hard thing to get over the self-critic in order to be able to then do that, to, you know, prove the external critics wrong. But like, it's a journey, but if you can get there, it's so satisfactory when you can literally can go, you may have doubted me, babes, but look at me now. (laughs) Look at me now. And I think one of the themes as well that comes through is this theme of adulting and taking those first steps out into the world as an adult, fending for yourself what do you think's been like a coming of age moment for you?
1: I think maybe, this is so unromantic and not (laughs) at all movie worthy, but um, maybe like when the first time I felt like I probably had to adult was when I like paid my council tax. It's just the most like unclick baity answer ever but it's yeah like paying my capital tax for the first time i ringing up the 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 office and being like yeah yeah, I've got a bill to pay yeah like that was um, pretty much yeah I'm an adult now I'm a big kid paying gas bills what can I say
0: honestly if I do anything that involves paying a bill like for instance the other day this is so lame but like I went through and cancelled like direct debits where I've literally been paying like God knows how much money to so many different companies for so long, and I was like, oh do you God. know what? I'm gonna get myself together. And I was like, look <laughs> at me go. And if I do anything like that, I honestly feel like I deserve like an Olympic medal. I remember setting up my council tax on a direct debit and being like, whoa, <laughs> this is me. You a are ahead of adult. the curve. Give me tip of curve, babes. I'm ahead of the curve.
1: Wow, council tax on direct debit,
0: babes. Well, I, done that.
1: I just like. Love- <laughs> I like swallow my pride and play that lump sum and go, oh, it's done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you heard it here first. This podcast is full of very key life lessons.
1: <laughs> yeah, Start with direct debit, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sponsored by your local council authority. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think it's, because people are really gonna get to know you on screen playing this character on Lockwood & Co. But let's take it back to the beginnings of your career, can you remember your first ever performance? And I'm talking like the nativity, what were we doing? What was our first like shining moment?
1: I definitely like played a cowgirl, but that was like, that was like Small World, stepping it up a bit. I think at like a goal. Was that just
0: around the house? (laughs) Or was the cowgirl picture something you did? (laughs)
1: It was like part of, like, a youth group, I remember. And I remember it was the first time I sort of, like, got to dress up. And my mum got this, like, plaid shirt for me. And I wore these, like, jeans. And I had a hat. And I felt great. Um, But, yeah, I did a gala. And then the first, like, performance I remember just absolutely loving. But not realising I I loved it. Like, I looked back on it and was like, oh, you loved that. Like, (laughs) it was... I... (laughs) There was a performance of, um, like, end of year six, you know, like, you do a play, and you graduate, and you move to secondary school, and we did Annie, and I remember, like, really wanting the role of Annie, but then I got Miss Hannigan, and I was like, actually, you know what, this is my, like, this is my villain era, like, I'm, you know, let me take this on, and I was like, you know what, she's so much more nuanced. She's got so much more subtext, And I, like, I went and got my, I, like, made my mum, like, I begged her to buy me these, like, press-on nails that were, like, leopard print and, I like, this, like, silk gown leopard print I'd seen in, like, Primark. And I really took on the role. And I was, like, you know, like, little girls, little girls, everywhere I look, you know, like, I'm, I think I was the only one that did, like, an American accent as well. And, like, I was, like, I'm, yeah, I'm going for this. <laughs>
0: You really excelled. You had the nails, you had the Primark, you you really brought that vision together. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was it was a whole vision.
0: It's a very young age to go into your villain era.
1: I was starting young, you know.
0: <laughs> Good to test it out. Good to test it out. And I think a lot of people also recognise you from being in Bridgeton, playing Francesca in Bridgeton. I can't even imagine how difficult it was to leave that show. How did that come about? Because you left the show to join Lockwood and & Co. And I imagine that must have felt like, oh, whoa, well, this is quite a big decision. Like, how did it all come about?
1: Yeah, it was huge. And not, you know, not one I took lightly either. It was very difficult. But I loved working on that show. And I, it was so incredible to be a part of like such a cultural moment. And mm. I loved playing that character. I loved working and being surrounded by that cast and crew and the people that I got to work with. Um, yeah, and I just left college when I kind of got the role and I started on it. And almost like the character, I got to just observe, you know, the character, she was constantly observing. And I got to observe this, like, huge, incredible spectacle and scale of production. Um, and I learned so much Um And especially from the people, you know, the people around me who are, you know, incredibly loving and caring and welcoming and genuine and just like hilarious. Like everybody is like just hilarious. Um, And yeah, I feel like that role and that those people and that environment and that production prepared me to go and do a role like Lucy and Lockwood and Co. And you know, I, I really feel that. It, it yeah it prepared me and I learned so much from the people around me and also like the value and kind of extending a hand and always being how kind and how valuable that is and how much like someone holds it close to them
0: because it just seemed like it's a bit like a finishing school for actors in that sense because you do have all these amazing talents on screen who do you think you learned the most from or who gave you like. A really key piece of advice where you were like oh whoa.
1: But yeah I couldn't possibly say like I learned so much from everyone and different things from different people um, you know everyone is so funny you know I had great fun um, Ruth was incredibly like loving and caring and she really like took me and others under her wing and made me feel like so at home you know, Johnny, Lu- Lu- Nicola, Claudia, Phoebe, Will, Flo, they're all so funny and just, I've never laughed as much as I have with those people and felt so at home. It's, I, I really love everyone from it and they taught me a lot.
0: Have you had any funny slash disastrous job or audition moments
1: I worked at uh like Wagamama the restaurant chain you know I was like 17 18 and I used to work on like Sundays when everyone would have like a party on a Saturday or a Friday or something and I remember one time I went into work and I was like violently hung over and I yeah, was, like, had this like giant knife in my hand like cutting a piece of chicken and I was like looking down at the chicken and I was like I'm still drunk. Oh my god! I'm like, mom, I feel sick. You know, I I ended up getting through that shift, but I was like, never again. <laughs> never again will I come into work like hungover. I just like, I'm not built for that.
0: Oh my god! I remember some horrific moments of I used to work at Topshop back in the day when I was like yeah. 16 and but like, and this was when I was like proper fully going like out, out and because you'd be like, what are you doing after work girls going out? Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I remember getting, being so hungover that I was like led down in like the staff toilet whilst my friend was that oh, she no. sat there stroking my hair and just literally feeding me McDonald's chicken nuggets to try and save me up to, in order to literally get through the yeah. shit. And I was like, this is the most bleakest moment of my whole life. I'm led down in a toilet and you're literally beating me McDonald's chicken nuggets. And I was like, oh, yeah. emotionally scarring moments from jobs that stay from you forever.
1: Oh yeah, that defo taught me like I I think, you know, like I, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this, like going out before work. Um and I yeah, I don't really think I ever turned up to work hungover after that. <laughs>
0: Babe, that is impressive, I have to say. I mean, sometimes I still turn up for work a little bit hungover. But, you know, we're we're all dealing (laughs) with that adult process at different times. So we do quickly need to talk about this because everyone is obsessed with... I mean, I'm obsessed with season one of Lockwood & Co. And it's only just been released. But if you could be in a meeting room and you've got your own PowerPoint presentation and you can decide what is going to happen in season two... What do you want God. to see happen next? Oh,
1: I'd love to see Lucy doing more fighting. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think this season she does do fights and she does do, you know, she, she does do some of that and she intervenes and she goes off on her own and she, you know, bloody like, you, takes control of things, but I, I want to see her initiating more fights, and you know, saving Lockwood. I want to see Lucy save Lockwood and save George, and use all the weapons in the show. There are so like there are chains which George like Ali, who plays George, uses a lot, and I love that. I think that was so cool.
0: So Lucy's going to enter her fighter era.
1: Yeah, this season she is you know she's she's learning she, you know she joins this agency and yes she's got it all but she's learning like how he works and how the agency works and how they work together and how she can fit herself in here and how to take on challenges and and all, all these things that she's constantly dealing with and then she's dealing with this newfound like power and it, it can all be i guess a little bit overwhelming so next if if you know If there is one or if there was one, I'd love to see her kind of harnessing that and taking control.
0: Ooh, I'm loving this for her. But I really need to know what's in that room. This is... And I actually cannot believe I might have to wait another year to find out what is in that bloody room. What do you think is in that room?
1: Like a giant chocolate fountain. And he doesn't want to admit (laughs) to everyone that he actually just... You know, has this giant chocolate fountain that he goes in and he's got a secret stash of uh, marshmallows as well. And occasionally he doesn't want anyone stealing from him. You know, he knows that uh, mm. both Lucy and George love their cooking and love their love their food. So he's like, you know, I've got to keep this one thing secret. Um, no, I've got I've got no <laughs> idea what's behind that. Yeah.
0: I mean, I have to say, it was the last thing that I would expect to be behind that door as a chocolate fountain. And do you know what? In this show, you've got to learn that the unexpected always happens.
1: Expect the unexpected. You know, he goes, "You want to see what's behind it?" And we all go, you "Don't have to if you don't." Want it. Like he opens it and he goes, "It's my secret stash." And we're like, what? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I've got, I've got no idea, and I, I don't want to take a guess because. I don't want to get it wrong
0: okay well as far as plot twists go the (laughs) the chocolate fountain would be really (laughs) up there in the show well before you go the ending question of every episode is in the reign of your life what is the one rule you will always live by
1: to push yourself outside of your comfort zone even if You know we're all creatures of comfort we love the things that make us feel good and like gooey inside but occasionally if you can you know step outside of that comfort zone and you never know what will come from it because normally it's good things Um, but even if you make a mistake you learn from that mistake and you take it forward
0: I love that and that is what you've done with signing up to this show right stepping outside your comfort zone
1: yeah and I loved it I had a great time
0: so stepping out the comfort zone comes highly recommended
1: yes yeah I'd highly recommend that one love it and paying your council tax
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me babe it's been so great talking to you and there has to be a second season if there's not I'm literally gonna get my placards I'll be marching outside that Netflix office that you wouldn't believe because I need to know if that chocolate fountain is behind that door babe (laughs) Yeah.
1: You and me both, Josh. You and me both. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Host. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.